Welcome to the Kyle Terry Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk to business owners and experts in their field about the strategies and tactics they use to grow their businesses, retain clients, and get referrals. Join us as we dive deep into the world of business and explore the best practices for building and maximizing success. And we're live. How's it going? It's going. All right. Today, we have a special guest, my lovely wife. Kimberly, Kim Terry. Do you want me to introduce you? Yeah, let's see what you got. All right. So Kim is a former personal trainer, now a business owner, helps with all operations of Terry Enterprise and all the companies that we run, and a mom of two with a five-week-old who may start making some noise in the background. We may need to pause for a minute. Um, yeah, she's the rock that holds us together. Now, you tell us a little bit about yourself. All right, I am your wife. That's right. First and foremost. Now, I started... Okay, so, sorry, we'll okay. just preface this. We're going to start with Kim's full story. Kim has done a lot <laughs> through the years. So she's from upstate New York, uh, did her first, we're going to talk about her first undergrad, her master's degree, second undergrad, where that led, <laughs> uh, what we have developed over the years within our own businesses, where we're at now, and what you're working on. But we're going to do it in about 25 minutes. So we may have to have episode one and another episode yeah, in a but, couple of weeks. I mean, you're starting with a loaded question. I feel like that's the hardest question to answer yeah. is the one about yourself. Yeah, for sure. Um, like you said, I grew up in upstate New York. From there, I made my way down to West Virginia, actually at West Virginia University, where I did my bachelor's degree in exercise physiology. So as a longtime athlete, I grew up doing sports. Uh, competed pretty competitively within gymnastics. And so trying to decide what I wanted to do in college and where I wanted to go, it had to do something with athletics. I just knew that. And in my mind, going for exercise physiology was something like I could figure out the best way to train an athlete. And that's what I wanted to do. Um, So one of my best friends in high school, her cousin is actually the sports nutritionist at West Virginia University, told me, recommended that I check them out. So I went down with my parents and we went on a tour and they walked me into the student recreation center. And that is where my life began. (laughs) All right. So as soon as we walked in there, that was when I essentially made my decision that I would be leaving home, beautiful upstate New York and traveling down to West Virginia, um, which came with a lot of jokes and a lot of people making me nervous that I didn't know what I was getting into and I was going to get killed in the mountains of West Virginia oh, yeah, with some banjos. Banjos, yeah. <laughs> and because, you know, you only go there once to visit. And so going, I remember going down to move in and I was like, oh boy, what am I getting into? Um, and they don't know, you know, I'm a shy She's pretty introverted, yeah. So me leaving home, nobody in my family had really left home before. My brothers went away for college, but they were still close by. Yeah, Um, within a couple hours. Quick driving distance. So I was really the first one to go away far, Yeah, different state. Um, And so that was very unlike me. That was out of my comfort zone. And it 
kind of set the path for how I continued my life from there on out. So I went there for exercise physiology. Uh, loved it. I did. I was one of the few that gained an internship with the sports staff, the sports strength and conditioning. So I worked with, you know, the division one football, basketball, baseball teams, um, shooting team, shooting. I pretty much worked with all the teams at the division one level doing their strength and conditioning programming. And it was awesome. So I decided then that's what I want to do with my life because right. I want to do strength and conditioning. So from there, my professor suggested Appalachian State University down in Boone, North Carolina. I applied. I never went to visit. For your master's degree. For my yeah. master's degree. I got in. And the first time I saw the university, first time I saw the town, first time I knew where I was moving was the day I went to move in. <laughs> that's a um, legit. So... Again, not knowing where I'm going, getting further into the hills in the mountains. <laughs> yeah, that's, really, that's more of a crater. We went not there knowing where you're going. Um, but it was, you know, the professor that had recommended I go there big in that field. Yeah. Very well known, a lot of research, knows a lot of people. And per his recommendation, this was the place to go unless I was willing to move to Australia, which... That's a little bit too far for me. <laughs> so went to North Carolina, spent two years there doing research, really enjoyed it slash really hated it. And that's kind of where I changed my future. <laughs> what so, do you mean? So the research part or the... So I, I enjoyed the studies. I enjoyed learning. Um, I did not enjoy the research aspect. I oh. enjoyed writing the research. I enjoyed coming up with it. But what it came to me is in the academic world is it was so much about how many research studies can you get out in a year yeah, and not necessarily how good are they or how are you implementing them. Like there was no, for me, I wanted more of a way to help people. Right, and so right. research helps people, but way down the road by the time that right. gets That's, published. So the path that you changed was not continuing to PhD. Correct. So that essentially would have been the next step. Yeah. Um, and I'm someone who, when I start something, I want to finish it and follow it all the way through. Yeah. And so that made sense to me, PhD. Like, that's the top that I can do. That's what I'm going to do. So that was a big decision for me to stop just at the master's degree and not really know what to do with that. Yeah. Um. So. And the whole reason behind that was because you wanted to help people in the best way possible. So research for me was you can help people, but it's a long term. Yep. You don't get that instant gratification of helping someone right then and there. That's right. That's so right. you can do a research study. It's going to take months or years to get published. By the time it gets picked up and more people do more research studies to really validate what you did. I mean, it's years down the road before it really starts getting into mainstream um, action, like implementation. Yeah. And so it was cool and all, but it, it just didn't give me that, I guess, gratification that yeah, I was the, looking for in a career. Yeah. Yeah. The Not necessarily the one-to-one, -one, but the being able to help people that you can see that you've actually helped them. And I say this because it's kind of foreshadowing every step down the way that you have continued mm -hmm. through your life. Yeah. And then so. It's, so after you graduated with your master's degree... What was your career path? 
because I know you did a few things within that field and then transitioned to something else. So the thing with that field is it's a little iffy. If you don't do your PhD, it's kind of like, ooh, I don't really know what you're going to do. So I ended up moving here to Lexington on a whim, another Mm -hmm. whim, just randomly up, (laughs) moving to another state, another city, Um, moved here. And I applied to a couple different jobs, just didn't really have a plan. Mm -hmm. Um, Ended up at a private facility doing personal training, but it was more based in healthcare personal training. So it was a little bit different than just your average gym. There was a lot of the knowledge I had learned. Not just the type of personal training that you can get a certificate and have the knowledge. You actually had to have some. You had to have some kind of like medical background and understand different conditions so that you could treat those within your training, which at the time also, when I was trying to decide what the heck I was going to do, that came into my mind. Like maybe one day I can get my practitioner degree and then combine that with my personal training and my exercise physiology and open up this facility where I can change everybody's life. Yeah. Um, so I was training and then I had that idea. So I was like, well, should I do med school? Should I do physician assistant school? Should I do nursing school? Nursing school wasn't even really on the table. I really was aiming at physician assistant school because you can work independently. Mm -hmm. Um, did not get in several times, which was the first rejection I think I ever had in my life. Yeah. And this is a funny story. (laughs) The PA school is a pretty funny story. Um, do you want to tell that story about the fat interview. people interviewing you? Yeah, so it was an interesting interview for me. There's a lot of scenario-based questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one that, I mean, there's probably a lot of reasons I didn't get in, but the one that sticks out to me because I feel <laughs> like I have never gotten rejected from especially an academic program before was... I had to walk into a room and we were talking about implementing diet and exercise. So here I walk in, my chest is out, I'm ready. Like I've just spent six years studying this. I have a master's degree. This is my jam. Like I am, there's no way I can get this question wrong. Walk into the room. The people interviewing me are relatively overweight, um, sitting there with donuts and cupcakes as, and stuff in front of them. As a lot of people in healthcare are. Correct. And They're then, unhealthy even though they are in healthcare. And then, so one of the questions they asked me was, you know, if you're a physician, do you, I think that as a physician, you should look a certain way when you're giving someone that advice. And essentially, I do believe that you should hold yes. yourself to a certain standard if you're going to be educating a cl- client or uh, patient, you need to understand what you're talking exactly. about. And I kind of use the examples. You wouldn't go to a dentist who had gnarly teeth. Right. You don't take financial advice from a <laughs> like, person that doesn't have good finances. You don't take fitness advice um, from a fat person. You but don't, saying that to two practitioners who are overweight and, you know, we're giving out diet and exercise, yep. the interview got slightly more difficult after that. And to this day, that's the hill I'm dying on. That's why I didn't get into physician assistant school. But there's a reason for everything. That's right. And so after that, I was like, shit, what am I going to do with my life? I have no plan. I don't know. I need to do something else. I had two weeks to submit a nursing school um, application. Mm-hmm. I was due in two weeks. The program at the University of Kentucky for what I was going for as a 
I already had a degree. I was going back to school. So mm -hmm. that program for nursing, they only accept 10 students. Yeah. Um, and like thousands of people apply. So my redemption story is I got in, even though I was like last minute, not knowing what to do. Um, got into nursing school and really felt that was a good spot for me. It felt a better spot because yeah. it was a lot more based on your patient and taking care of your patient and looking at the whole picture of yeah. what's going on and who, what other people can you get on your team to give this patient the best care possible. So yeah. when I got into that nursing, I was like, man, this feels better. Yeah. So that was the path that I didn't know I needed to go to that I had to go to. Yeah. More of an instant gratification. You mm -hmm. can actually see what your ability is doing to help someone. Correct. So go through nursing school. I start working nursing and I enjoyed it. I worked with children and mm -hmm. that was really, children's hospital, yep, right? yep. that was, I mean, it had its ups and its downs, but overall it was a good place for me to be. And I couldn't have seen myself working at the bedside with a different population. Yeah. Um, kids were where I needed to be. But that nagging feeling kept coming back as how can I take care of these patients better because they're coming into the hospital and they're sick and there's yep. got to be a way that we can keep them from getting sick. Like I'm seeing what we're giving them. We're putting a bandaid on everything and right. sending them out the door. More preventative than yep. reactive. So, <laughs> well, Sorry, more preventative is what you wanted to get and yes. you were working on the reactive end of people that are already unhealthy and already sick. So me being who I am, fill out another application and I get accepted into nurse practitioner school. So I don't know how many degrees we're shooting for at this point. Um, and trying, we had already met at this point. Yep. Trying to get to, I don't know, this end goal that I keep feeling I need to get to in life. Start nurse practitioner school and quickly, quickly realize that my dream and my passion to be able to help a patient and give them the care that I want to give them to be able to sit down with them, talk to them, get them working out mm -hmm. and get them the nutrition and be that all encompassing care. I could not do that in traditional healthcare. Right. And it didn't really happen that quickly. You were two semesters in, right? Before like a you year were, and a half in. A year and a half. Yeah. So you were, had went through two entire semesters. I was at the end where you're doing your rotations. Your rotations, and, right. And, and I just realized, yeah, it the, was the, the, different. My view on this from, from what I understand and the conversations that we have is becoming a nurse practitioner, the end goal was to open an office or work for a doctor or under them because essentially as a nurse practitioner, you can't have your own practice um, and be able to help people with holistic natural remedies. And then once you started doing your rotations, you realized that in the traditional westernized medicine, they don't allow you to necessarily do mm -hmm. that. You have to, as a doctor's office, write a certain amount of prescriptions you in order to be you. able to accept insurance from specific insurance companies. Otherwise, it's a cash-only facility that can't accept insurance because you are helping people in a more holistic way and natural, like exercise, food, instead of pills and shots. And Yeah, and I think there is way, 
I, th- I still way, think yeah. that there's a way you can do it. I just was not at the point in my life where that made sense for me to continue because at that point you had officially started your business for a few, you, a couple years actually. Yep. Yeah. You had left, you know, working the nine to five and had started and had started growing to the point where you needed help. Right. Um, and I think at that point I had three, three companies, right? Something like that. Something. Um, but then you started having me help and what right. that allowed me to do was kind of tap into this creative side that I had kind of pushed down through all the years of trying to be the scientific right. person. Yep. Um, and so it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. And we we're, you know, and what we did was actually, so the reason why I wanted to f- use the foreshadowing of helping people, um, we started a company that helped people market and brand their businesses, which was more of an instant gratification because you could create a marketing Mm -hmm. plan, build out a brand book and build something around that company that helped that person grow their business, make Mm -hmm. more money, help their clients more efficiently and be more professional in whatever their business was, which is kind of this, I mean, it's just people are listening and they're like, that makes no sense. How you went from having these big dreams of this holistic healthcare wellness practitioner into that, but it's all helping people. And it was like, it's very different, but at the same time, when you're working with people in healthcare and you're working with people training, you're learning how to write a plan for them. You're taking their goals, you're taking where they're at and you're going step by step. This is what we need to do. And you're implementing it. You're keeping them on track. You're putting it in action. And when you bring that around, that was the same thing that we were doing just in a different scope. It's here's where your business is. Here's what your goal is. Mm -hmm. We're sitting there, we're we're writing out the plan and then we're implementing it with you and keeping you accountable for that. So very different and it really... When you tell people, they're like, that doesn't line up. That doesn't make sense how you went from healthcare to marketing, but it worked. Yeah. And I like, I enjoyed writing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I enjoy learning and through school and planning yeah. and all that. Research. So, because you have to, there's a lot of different research because we didn't necessarily work with one industry. We would work with someone in several different industries and then you had to research that exact industry mm-hmm. to figure out. And I think that's what made what, we were doing at the time and still do yeah. to an extent. And that's that I will talk about that in a few minutes. Um, so good. Yeah. Because we didn't just do it at the bottom level. Yeah. Like we really put in the time, like if you were, I don't know, give me a profession, a chef, like, you know, we went in and we learned everything about being a chef. Yeah. If you own a restaurant. Yeah. And we went into your restaurant and we watched you work and we watched how you interacted with your customers and we did everything to really, so we knew what we were doing. Yeah. And I think that's really what separated that part of what we were doing. Yeah. From everybody else. Man, that went faster than I thought it was going to go. I can talk fast. Um, I'm from New York. I talk fast. You're from upstate New York. You don't talk that fast. <laughs> um, but yes, that is... That's uh, that's kind of the Kim story. That was very, that was good. I know. But, uh, it's different because, I don't know, I think a lot of people, they might shift directions once or twice, but I've had yeah. a lot of 
shifts in my life. And I think and all the we're shifts still have shifting. Been, oh yeah, for sure. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Um, so what I want you to talk about now, and I'm going to fix the cameras, um, what, uh, in the, so we were, we were working with a bunch of other companies. We transitioned out of that and utilized all the research that we found with those companies and started implementing though them into our own companies. And now we don't have any clients, but we're still running our companies through the same methods and research that we did with those clients. And mm -hmm. we figured out kind of, um, we can make a lot more money by using our knowledge and starting our own company than someone can afford to pay us, essentially. And I'm going to fix the cameras. <laughs> So, yeah, so the marketing and branding aspect that we really pride ourselves on, I guess you could say, um, a lot of people don't know how to do that themselves and they need to outsource that aspect. You know, they don't have the knowledge of the photography or videography or even how to write a script or, you know, how to compose a post and what that looks like and keep up with the trends that are happening on social media and the other platforms that we're marketing on now. Um, and that was a strength that we had that we could internally do because we had all of those skills. Right. And so it made sense to dive all in to ourselves than it did to out put that out for and the reason why everyone was, else. Um, it, it may have been so it's hard to say because we, our, our knowledge and the ability to do what we were doing for other clients was on a different level than the clients we were working with. Yes. With the, your master's degree, your, the research that you have done, the ability to know how to do research, the people that were working with the client base that we were working with, they didn't have that ability and they still don't, they don't have the 10 years of being a photographer and videographer and the master's degree in research. So they didn't necessarily, they could charge a lot less and not necessarily add as much value, but they would scrape the surface um, where we felt like with those clients, we would have to charge so much more for our amount of knowledge that we had. And then we decided, three years ago, I guess, to transition and really double down on opening and expanding our the companies that our corporation owns and use that knowledge to grow mm -hmm. those other small businesses. Right? Am I correct on that? <laughs> You're right. I'm just thinking of all the transitions that we've made and how we yeah. can't even keep up. I know. And it's very hard. And we still are transitioning today to, to do what, different things. I think that that's what you have to do. Yeah. And some people get so stuck. And, uh, you know, this is another thing I wanted to talk about. And I, I, I heard Nick uh, Bayer from Bayer Performance Nutrition's BPN mm -hmm. say today that, like, what a lot of people do in life, for instance, if someone wants to be become a doctor, they spend – four years getting their undergrad, eight years getting their master's, or sorry, four more years getting the master's degree, another four years getting their PhD or MD, sorry, doctorate. And then they have to be a, a, a 
sorry, help me with the word. Once they start practicing, not practicing, but they're a resident. Resident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a fellow. And then, then they become a doctor 12, 15 years later. And then once they become that, then they realize, oh shit, I hate doing this. This is not fulfilling at all. But mm-hmm. they keep doing it and suffer and hate going to work, even though their job is to keep people alive or to make people more healthy. They hate it where they don't see that they can transition and do something totally different and still help and still make and the I, same amount of money. I will say that I feel that is a it's, strength of mine because right. I am pretty much a people pleaser most of the time. Yeah. Like I really don't like confrontation. I like, you know, to do what I'm supposed to do and follow the rules. Um, but for me, some people might not agree with this, but for me to sit there and be in this position and this is the track I'm on and this is what everybody around me expects me to do mm-hmm. and then stop at the end of it, even though I've completed it or stop halfway through like nurse practitioner school and say, this is not going to make me happy or this right. is no longer making me happy. And it once did. Right. And to have that, I guess, bravery yeah, to the say, ability to pivot is what I like. To I'm say going to try something different. That's right. Um, you know, some people might say, well, that's just being flaky and you just can't keep a job yeah. or whatever. But in the long run, to me, that has set me up to where I can be happy and successful in life right. and not stuck and not hating going to work right. every single day. And some people's happiness doesn't come until they're 65 and they mm-hmm. get to retire. A lot of people they, don't realize that because it's so easy to get stuck where you are right. because yep. once you have that paper and once you've got that first job, you know, when I came here and I was working at that facility, that was a decent job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was making pretty darn good money for right out of college and there was opportunity to grow your business within that and do everything. Yep. Um, but to be able to leave a position like that is hard. Like I talk to a lot of people now who are like, Oh, I would love to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is my passion is doing this, but I could never actually do it. And it's like, well, why not? Like you, yeah. this is it. Tomorrow could be it. That's right. You never know. So it, to me, I feel like that's a strength that I've never given my, given myself credit for is to yeah. be able to and there's a lot of continue pressure to find what I want to do. Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure from people when you take one step back to take two steps forward. Um, sorry, it's storming outside. I don't know if you guys can hear the thunder. Um, and then people, people are very, very afraid of taking that one step back. And it's once you get to a point in life, it's not even a step back. It's just a step to the right or step to the left. Well, and people are critical too. Like when I was going to leave nursing, bedside nursing, mm-hmm. it was, you know, to go all in with you into the business and also take care of our firstborn daughter. Right. Um, there's a lot of people who said that was a bad idea. Yeah. And a lot of people, even though, so for a year or a year and a half, you worked per diem at the hospital. Mm-hmm. And did um, the business on the side. And did the business on the side. And <laughs> it's funny, we signed maybe two or three, two clients, three clients. And Kim's income that she was producing for the company was probably quadruple what a nurse makes in a year. But people were still... Nursing is safe. Nursing is safe. 
And all the nursing yeah. students or nursing people that she worked with, they, they were like, oh, are you just kind of at home hanging out, you know, just being like a housewife, blah, 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 where Kim was actually working eight, 10 hours a day. Um, it's just funny how people's view on stuff like that is. Sounds like Mabel's waking up. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's the, it's, it's the bravery to have the ability to pivot. And there's just so many people that don't have that. Yeah. Well, you get insurance, you get all this stuff. There's a lot of factors, but honestly, how controversial can I be? I mean, oh. I think that that's what they want. They want you stuck in the system. That's what society wants. Society, that's what the government, everybody wants you stuck in the system and be reliant on what they have to give you. Yeah. Um, and if you can break free from that, if you can just have the courage. And to me it was, you know, when I was making these moves into these towns I'd never been to, it was, it's only two years. Yeah. I can do anything for two years. And if I don't like it, I don't have to stay there for two years. Like nothing is permanent. Right. And so that was the same thing making these changes like when I leaving nursing and everybody around me is telling me it's a bad idea. Yep. You make sure you keep your license up. Make sure you keep your license. Because that's a bad idea. Um and now you still do have your license. I do have my license. <laughs> it you know but it's it not costs hard. seventy bucks to keep it up, which yeah. is ridiculous. Um but you could always go back. Yeah. There's always nursing positions available. If shit hit the fan and that's what I needed to do or that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. You can, you can do that. What do you lose in life at yeah, that point? Exactly. Sounds like Mabel's gonna end their so, podcast. <laughs> um, to end it, we'll we'll we will continue and talk and have more conversations with one another. What advice do you have for someone who is? You already said this, but going down a path that you have to get Mabel after you ask this question. Uh, going down a path or in a career that they want to change but they feel so um stuck that they can't change and they their only exit is to work for the next 20 years until they're 65 and then they can retire and do what they want when they could do something else right now do they have something else they want to do right now <laughs> maybe <laughs> What's, yeah they need to have a plan that's exactly okay. what i'm asking because a lot of people yeah, don't have so, that plan. you know first and foremost i'd sit back and think about what would be that decision is what else could you do? Um, is there something that's weighing on you? Like, you know, I really want to open up this restaurant, for example. Um, is it way out of reach? Maybe, but how, what steps can you take to make that more within your reach? What can you do every single day to make that attainable? So don't feel like you're stuck while you're there and you're feeling that stuck, you need to start planning for the future. Um, so say you want to open up that restaurant and you yeah. feel like you can't because where are you going to get the money? Where are you going to have the time? How are you going to hire people? What are you going to do? Yeah. So you're not answering emails at work one day. You're planning that out. Yeah. And okay. that's, that's one trend that you will notice that we never do anything without a plan. Mm -hmm. We have always to, have a yeah, plan nothing, and we've done the research right. and we know exactly so what ev all the these average transitions income is I've everything. made have always been thought out ahead of time. Yeah. Um, and I would say for somebody trying to make that jump into something else, you know, make sure that you do have your feet under you. Yeah. You can't just, I mean, you could, but make sure your feet are under you. Make sure you got 
kind of that thought in place. Sa- um, some kind of a safety net. Now, it's not necessarily a plan B, uh, but you want, uh, I mean, we can get really deep into the weeds. You want at least six months of income saved in the bank and mm-hmm. in your savings account. You want, you know, um, the ability to go back to something else or you have the ability to, you know, worst case scenario, you became a waiter or a waitress. And I mean, yeah, so, you know, don't be afraid to take a step back or two, even though people are going to maybe talk about you behind your back or laugh a little bit, make yeah. fun of you like, oh, he, you know, she was in this great position. She had everything going. She could make $45,000 a year and as now a nurse the rest of her life. Yeah, and now she's, you know, being a waitress part-time. And that was one of the things in school I had to do is I had to go back. I worked at a pet store. Yeah. Making $8 an hour when I had already had a career making well, well, way more, way than, more that. than that. Um, so kind of figure out your plan. What does it look like? And now sometimes that support system is your family. Um, and they can see the future that your career holds. So, or a family, spouse, whatever, you know, I know, um, this is getting a little bit more into it, but your, your parents supported you in the transition from being personal trainer into, um, becoming a nurse. And then, you know, that transition, they helped with, you know, your $8 an hour mm-hmm. job didn't necessarily help pay all the rent, oh, yeah, all your expenses and stuff in, like that. My, I don't know why or how, but they never really questioned it. Yeah. Questioned a little, but trusted that I would be okay. Right. Right. And they trust that process because you're not, you're an intelligent person and they know that you're not doing things without really thinking them Mm -hmm. through and planning and doing the research and knowing what the, not necessarily the end result is, but what that next step is going to provide. And then even if that next step, you have to pivot into something else, like we've done several times, um, you're going to plan ahead before you do that next pivot. Yeah. So my advice would be to get your plan in place. What does it look like? How long are you going to give yourself to get there? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you need to do? Who are you going to go talk to? Right. Um, you, you know, mentor. you need a mentor. If you're going to open a restaurant, go to a restaurant and talk to the owner, talk I to the people working not there. opening a restaurant. <laughs> I know, but I'm just using that as an example. That. <laughs> um, so get that all figured out in your head, make sure that you kind of got your feet under you that, you know, if you quit today, you're not going to be living on the street with no one to help support you or anything tomorrow. Um, you don't want to run yourself homeless and then don't be afraid to take that step back. So maybe it looks like getting a minimum wage job to support you in that process. Um, to get where you need to go. Just make sure that that minimum wage job can support 70% of what you have Mm -hmm. in place. And you might, I mean, cut back on stuff, do what you need to do because you got to look, you got to look at the 30,000 foot picture. You got to look at the big goal. Right. Um, so plan, have your feet under you, get everything in order. And then I would say, forget what people are going to say. That's right. Because somebody's always going to have an opinion. It may be hard. It may be your family that doesn't support you and gives you the hardest time. 
And that's okay because you're going to find your people when you go. Yeah. You're going to find the people that you need to be around. And you're, if you're willing to put in the work, you're going to make it work. That's exactly and you're, right. And if not, you're going to know how to pivot to make something else work. That's exactly right. Um, so and you we're going to have to get off here <laughs> because the latest alert that we got on our phones was destructive baseball size hail. So we're going to go see what's happening. I can't park my car on the garage. Nope. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And we'll... Uh, We'll have Kim on several other times. Thank you for listening to the Kyle Terry podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. If you want to grow your business, follow us on social media. And remember, there's no secret to success. You have to work for it.